we really turn our attention and our focus to the Christmas season that is before us. I, I, I began a, a short series of messages last week on God's Christmas. We began by looking at God's Christmas list, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Uh, that includes you and me, and so we are on God's Christmas list. This morning we move to God's Christmas tree to discover about God's Christmas tree and what that means for you and for me, especially at this season where we celebrate Christmas. Now, by show of hands, how many of you have real Christmas trees that you put in your homes every year? You go get a real Christmas tree, bring it out and throw it in your home. Well, that's, that's about average on the population I've discovered. Uh, in, in distinction to that, how many of you all have fake Christmas trees that you put in? Yes, that's me as well. Excellent. They're, they're much easier, much cleaner, things of that nature. I discovered that Christmas trees are big business in America. There are 25 to 30 million real Christmas trees, just real Christmas trees that are sold in America every year. More than 325,000 acres of land that are planted with Christmas trees. Over 100,000 people working in the Christmas tree industry, the real Christmas tree industry, and about 25% of households will have a real Christmas tree in their home. Now, it's hard for us to imagine Christmas without a, a richly decorated Christmas tree. Maybe it's a tradition within your home that the tree is brought out every year, along with all the decorations that go on the tree, and you share memories and stories back and forth. Oh, remember where we got this ornament? I remember when you gave me this, and, and we hang them on the tree, and it seems like there's a story that goes with just about every one of them. It's a tradition in our home as well. We do the very same thing. It just wouldn't seem right to have Christmas without a Christmas tree in your home to many people. You ever wondered anything about the history of the Christmas tree? The custom of the Christmas tree began in Germany over 1,300 years ago. Originally, the Christmas tree was referred to as the Christbaum or the Christ tree is what it meant. The first known decorated Christmas tree in history was in the city of Riga in the country of Latvia in the year 1510. But it was because of the reformer, Martin Luther, that, that Christmas trees came to mean what they mean to us today. The story is that Luther, who lived about 500 years ago, was walking through the woods late one evening, and he was going over in his mind a sermon that he was preparing to deliver, and he saw in the forest the trees with stars behind them, and the stars were kind of twinkling through the branches of the tree. And he wanted to, if he could, kind of create this effect for his children as well. And so he got one of those beautiful evergreen trees and he decorated this small tree with candles for his children to show them how the stars twinkled through the branches of the tree. Martin Luther, as far as we know, was actually the first person in history that brought the Christmas tree from the outside to the inside of the homes for people to celebrate and to enjoy at this time. Well, how does all of this relate to God's Christmas tree? 
What does this have to do with, with anything in Scripture anyway? Well, I believe that the very first real Christmas tree was found in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago in the shape of a cross. It's the greatest symbol of what Christianity is all about. The simple cross. Most churches have one. We do as well. A symbol of the reminder of what Christ has done. And remember that Jesus, in His life, Jesus was related to wood all of His life. His earthly father, Joseph, worked as a carpenter, and he, following in the family trade, became a carpenter and worked with wood. And then Jesus ultimately died on a wooden cross. The Bible sometimes refers to the death of Jesus on the cross by the word tree. There are two Greek words that, 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 that are used interchangeably at times related to the cross of Christ. The first one is the Greek word storos. It, it is an upright stake or a cross. It, it's a word that was used as the Roman instrument of crucifixion. But then you have the Greek word zulon as well. It's a word that's used both of a tree and of a cross. For instance, in Acts chapter 5, verse 30, we read, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Acts chapter 10, verse 39, And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Galatians chapter 3, we read, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The cross of Jesus Christ is referred to multiple times by the word tree. And I think the greatest description of that tree and what happened on that tree and why it is God's Christmas tree to us is found in one of the greatest single verses in all of the Bible. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Listen to what Peter writes. He says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. One of the greatest statements in all of Scripture as to the significance of God's Christmas tree, the significance of that tree upon which Jesus Christ gave His life. And remember, the original term for the Christmas tree was the German word Christbaum. It literally means Christ's tree. And we're told in the Bible that the cross upon which Jesus died really was the tree that brought us life. The cross was God's Christmas tree to the world so that we might see His love, His mercy, we might see His plan of redemption for us. That cross was planned. It was placed on this planet for the glory of God and the salvation of people throughout time and history. In this verse we see, first of all, that Jesus gave His life for us. 
Look at the very first part of that verse again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. What happened is that Jesus Christ on the cross gave his life for us. And friends, listen, that one statement is the entire theme of the Bible. All the way from Genesis through to Revelation, what the Bible is about is summed up in that one statement. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Because you see, his, his death was anticipated throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. All of the promises, all of the prophecies, all of the pictures of the Old Testament, you see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the plan of God in bringing redemption to us. But then when you come to the New Testament, the death of Jesus Christ is, is mentioned in every book of the New Testament with the exception of Philemon, 2 John, and 3 John. And even within those three books, the implications of the death of Jesus Christ are very clearly stated for us. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew thought that the death of Jesus was so important that he took two chapters, 141 verses, to describe how Jesus gave himself for us on the tree. When you come to the Gospel of Mark, it's the shortest of all of the Gospels, but even the Gospel of Mark, Mark gives us 116 verses to a description of what happened in the events surrounding the tree upon which Jesus died. Luke gives us two of the longest chapters in all of the, of the Gospels to describe for us what happened within and surrounding that event of Jesus' death. The Gospel of John, John gives about half of his Gospel to show us what happened in the final hours in the life of Jesus up until he was placed upon that tree, the cross. Friends, this is what I want you to understand. And I know this is Christmas time. And so often at Christmas time, our minds rightly are given to the incarnation and the gift of Jesus Christ given in Bethlehem stable for us. But friends, listen, you can never understand the importance of the birth of Jesus until you understand the significance of the death of Jesus. Jesus was born so that he might die. That was the plan and the purpose of God all along. And one of the clearest statements concerning the purpose of Jesus anywhere is found right here in this statement. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. It's where Jesus died for our sins where we are reminded of the weight of our sinfulness. It's where we are reminded that we, through our sin, have offended a holy God. It's where we are reminded that there is nothing that we can do about our sins. Someone else must pay the penalty. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve death because of our sin, because of our sinfulness, and because of our sin, we are separated from God and we are condemned to that death. But God in His incredible, amazing love sent His Son Jesus, born of the Virgin, laid in the stable there in Bethlehem, 
Why? So that he might die. But why would he die? Because in his death, our sin is placed upon him and can be removed from us if we come in faith and repentance and trust in him. By his death, we can have life. And He Himself, He bore our sins in His body on the tree. Your sin was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ with Him. Your sin removed from you and placed upon Jesus so that you might be forgiven and so that you might have life with Him. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus Christ bearing our sins in His body on the tree, dying the death that we deserved. But friends, here's what you've got to understand. If we paid the penalty for our sin, which is what? Death. If we pay the penalty for our sin in death, there is no hope for us to be made right with God. Because in our death, we would live eternally separated from Him. That's why Jesus had to die. That's why He had to give His life. Because there was no other way that we could be forgiven, no other way that we could be saved, no other way that we could have the burden and the guilt of our own sin removed from us except through the death of the perfect, sinless Jesus Christ alone. So this one verse tells us, about Jesus giving His life for us. But it doesn't just tell us about Jesus giving His life for us. In this verse, we also see, secondly, that we are to live our life for Him. Again, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. You see? This, this, is, this is such a deep misunderstanding that people oftentimes have about Christianity. Why did Jesus give His life for us? Certainly so that we might be redeemed, so that we might be forgiven. But we read here that Jesus gave His life for us so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. There's, there, there's, there's a correlation here between this. Jesus died for our sins so that we might die to our sin. Jesus died for our sin so that we might die to our sin. And it's a word that's used only here in the entire New Testament. It is a word that is used only here when we read that word, three words in our English language, die to sin. It's one word in the Greek language, apogenomenos. And it means to, to, to be removed from, to depart from. And this is what the death of Jesus is about. Not only does Jesus remove our sin from, us, but He removes us from the power of sin in our lives as well. He gives us the strength and the power to now live righteously and holy before Him. Because of what happened on God's Christmas tree with the death of Jesus, we can die to sin and the power of sin can be removed from us so that we can now live for God and do what is right. The question from all of that is this. What are you going to do with God's Christmas tree? 
What are you going to do with the cross that stands before you? Are you going to accept what Jesus did or not? The gift is extended to you that he himself bore our sins in his body. The gift is extended, but it's not really a gift to you until you receive it. Not until you accept that gift and you appropriate it yourself through the mercies of God that you find forgiveness being yours. Finally, would you look very quickly with me this morning at the rejoicing that God's Christmas tree brings. Look at the verse in whole again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And get this final verse. By his wounds you have been healed. It's a quote taken from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. We read it just a few moments ago. See, it's because because of the cross of Jesus Christ and what happened on that cross that there is now an antidote to the poison of sin. By His wounds, you have been healed. It's because of what Jesus did that there is a cure for sin sickness to us. You see, Jesus died as the sinless Lamb of God. He didn't deserve death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus never committed a single sin, and so He was undeserving of death. But what He did is He gave Himself for you. He gave Himself for me so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be healed. And when my sin is healed, there is no longer anything between me and God. Because you see, your sin has has a dual effect upon you. Relationally, your sin separates you from God. And so there is a breach between you and God because of sin. But sin also brings condemnation to us. The wages of sin is death. The the right justice, the holy penalty from God against sin is death. See, right now, if your sin is not dealt with in Jesus Christ, you stand condemned before God, destined for hell apart from Jesus. But He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's that's the glory of what God has done. He's taken your sin away from you. And if you will come in faith and repentance before Him and accept the sacrifice that Jesus has offered in your place, that will be you. Your sin removed and healing to come spiritually to you. Any of you remember the year 2007 and Andrew Speaker? You may not remember the name, but maybe you'll remember the story. Andrew Speaker flew from Atlanta, Georgia, to Paris, then to Greece, then to Rome, and then he made his way finally to Canada, and in Canada he rented a car and he drove back into the United States. Usually that would have been an uneventful thing, except for the extravagance of the places that he visited. But here Andrew Speaker had been diagnosed with what was referred to as extensively drug-resistant 
tuberculosis. All over the news, what had happened. How did things break down? When he arrived back in the United States, the Centers for Disease Control came to him when he was in New York City. And essentially, they arrested him to place him in quarantine because of the nature of his disease. He had to be removed from the general population because this disease was so, so contagious that it could spread for who knows how long to how many people. There are certain diseases that are like that, where they have to be quarantined because they're so contagious. Well, God certainly didn't quarantine us because we were contagious in our sin, but He did quarantine us, not from one another, but from Himself because of our sin. See, in the Old Testament, we're told that God is so holy, He is incapable of even looking upon sin. He is holy and He is righteous. And because of our sin, we are separated from Him because of His holiness, because of His righteousness. He has to separate Himself from sinners because He can have nothing to do with sin or sinful people as long as they remain in their sin. That's what makes the work of Jesus so glorious. That He Himself bore our sin he took your sin. He took my sin. So that God would be able to say, no longer are you quarantined. No longer are you separated from me. But if you will come by faith in repentance to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and to receive the gift that He has given on your behalf, we die to that sin, we live for righteousness the glory of what God's done in the cross of Jesus Christ. He took the sinless Jesus and He took the sins of humanity and they were transferred over to Christ so that He died under the full wrath of God so that instead His righteousness might be transferred and come over to us. So that, as the Bible says, when God looks at us who are in Jesus Christ, He no longer sees us as we are. He sees us as He has made us in Christ. He sees in us the very righteousness of Jesus Himself. How amazing that is. How awesome that is. That anyone who is willing to repent and come to Jesus Christ and receive total forgiveness for their sins can have that sickness healed, can have that sin removed, and live the rest of life knowing that there is nothing at all between you and God. You see, there's a universal appeal to this. It goes to everyone. But there is a personal application for this that can be received only by you individually, one person at a time. You see, there's no one who can be saved for you. There's no one who can receive the gift of salvation on your behalf. It's yours alone, only if you receive it. 
only if you trust in Jesus Christ for it. I know that one of the things that characterizes Christmas trees for us, you see them on almost every Christmas tree around, is that you have those strands of lights that go on them. Every tree decorated with lights. Well, God did that as well. Because on this tree, the cross of Jesus was the most beautiful light the world has ever seen. We read in John chapter 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <laughs> See, some of you right now, you're living in sin's darkness. You're living in sin's condemnation. You are living in this separation from God, and you have to admit to yourself that this is a hopeless feeling for you, and you know it. I don't have to convince you of it. But see, when you look at the cross of Jesus, it is God's sign to you of what Jesus Christ has done, and that you can live in His light, no longer walk in darkness. When you look at every Christmas tree around you during this season, would you allow it to bring your mind back to the cross of Jesus Christ and the fact that He died on that tree for you. And I wonder today, greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, have you received that gift? Have you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ alone for salvation? Are you certain today that if this life were to come to an end at this moment, that heaven would be yours and that you stand in the forgiveness of God? There is nothing greater you could ever receive than the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing greater that's ever been given than the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Have you received what Jesus did for you? Have you today confessed faith in Jesus Christ alone? Are you still living in your sin? You see, here's the beautiful thing today. The invitation is extended to you wherever you are, whenever it is, right now, at this moment. Will you trust Jesus? Will you trust Jesus to bring salvation to you? If you won't, there is no other hope for your sin. And you will live eternally under the condemnation of God because you refused Jesus Christ and His salvation. Father, this morning we thank You we thank You for the cross of Christ. We thank You for His death on our behalf. And Father, today I pray, 
I pray for everyone in this place this morning that, Father, it would be a certainty of their heart and life that heaven is theirs, that forgiveness is theirs through the blood of Jesus. And, Father, if that is not the case for anyone here today, I pray would you please open their eyes that they might see the glory of Jesus and your love in providing him as a sacrifice for us. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us in our sin without hope, without hope of redemption, but that you gave your Son Jesus so that everyone who calls on Him, everyone who believes in Him, might be saved. Father, I pray today in this place, would You bring salvation to people who do not know You? Father, would You in this moment speak to hearts and where there are those without You, Would you bring them to yourself, Father? We pray that Jesus be lifted up so that he might draw to himself. We ask it in his name. Amen.